The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. your heart is not hard and your eyes are not dry and your prayers are not cold and your faith is not old otherwise that just about means all of us doesn't it my eyes are dry my eyes are dry faith is old my faith is old heart is hard my heart is hard Prayers are cold. My prayers are cold. And I know how. And I know how. I ought to be. I ought to be alive to you. Alive to you. And dead to me. before him the Lord says draw near to God and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners purify your hearts you double minded mourn, weep, be miserable let your laughter be turned into mourning your joy into gloom pour the anointing of God out upon all of us God so that we can be a pleasing people yes
Specifically about them, raise your hand up. Yes. Specifically about them, be honest. Glory to God. As we sing this next song together, I'd like those people to open the curtains so we have more room down here, please. like those of you that feel you need to come and commit your life to Jesus as Lord, possibly for the first time in your life. Those of you who have not been living a right life before God. You've had bitterness in your heart. You've had sin on your hands. And God wants you to come to the fountain and wash it clean. In true repentance, true faith, and true holiness. Come to a holy God and become a holy people. Do you love Christmas more than you love Jesus? Do you love Christmas more than you love Jesus? As the, quote, Christian world, unquote, prepares for their Christmas celebration, we need to stop a moment and ask the question, How did John the Baptist come and prepare the way for Jesus? You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm going to share a story today with you of my family. The broadcast is titled, The Strong Die Out Hard. The Strong Die Out Hard. Let me read for you Matthew, the third chapter. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. We're here to talk about about what it means to follow Jesus. To be real about Jesus. This is Matthew, the third chapter. I'll begin reading for you verse 6. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with the water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, 
and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's the way John the Baptist welcomed the coming of Jesus. I suspect God is a great deal more pleased with the way John welcomed the coming of Jesus as compared to the parties and the Christmas trees and the myth of the magic of Santa Claus. We really do need to come and look again at this whole Christmas story. We'll be doing that between now and December 25th. But today, I'd like to share some of my family's background. I usually don't talk about myself or my family. But today, I'd like to share the story of Rollo Strauss. Rollo Strauss was born in the late 1800s. He was raised on a farm in the plains of Wyoming. He married Jesse. Jesse was supposed to be a boy, but she was a girl. They didn't want a girl. They wanted a boy who could grow and who could work on the farm and who could help them make money and survive. So they named Jesse. That was her second name. Her first name was Cecil. Cecil Jesse, a boy's name. She worked from morning until night on the farm, in the garden. It was a harsh life. There was no entertainment. It was all work. Poverty was upon them. Trying to eke out a living with a few cattle, some livestock, and their farm. When Jesse saw this handsome young man coming by with with parents, she saw that Rollo Strauss was going to be her ticket to freedom. So she quickly accepted his advances and they were married so that she could get out of her very difficult life under a cruel father, an angry father, one who would not hesitate to whip the girls as well as the guys. Many times she was whipped and she saw her escape with Rollo. Now, Jesse had some understanding of what it meant to be a Christian, but Rollo had utterly refused the gospel message. He'd heard it. He didn't want anything to do with it. Rollo was also eager to leave the farm, Now, Rollo's father, along with his help, had built a home, a beautiful home, a farm home, with a garage, with a well, with some big cottonwood trees in the yard. And he wanted nothing to do with farming. His father helped him build the house. And then his father died. And Rollo and Jesse had the home to themselves. Rollo decided he was going to be a builder. He'd learned from his father. And so he began to build homes, humble homes. But then the Great Depression came. He had three homes built, completed. He had a contract on each of the three homes, and he had a down payment for each of the three homes. 
But when the depression came, he lost everything because the people who had purchased the homes could not make the payments. And so the bank took all three. And then Grandpa Rollo had to decide what he was going to do for work. He had to support his wife. And by this time, he had children. There were three daughters born to Rollo. One of them, a very striking, tall, almost six-foot-tall woman with flaming red hair, was Orpha. She was my mother. Rollo could keep out of his bankruptcy his house and one truck. And so he decided that he would go to the East Hill Ranches, not far from where he had his home in Bosler, and he would take orders for foods, farm supplies, livestock supplies. He would take orders... And then he would drive that narrow dirt lane road, just two trails leading off across the prairie. And he would make his way to Laramie and then on to Cheyenne. The road between Laramie and Cheyenne was also just a dirt road with two trails for the tires, grass growing up sagebrush growing up between. He would drive to Cheyenne, and there he would make the purchases. He would load his truck, and he would drive back and deliver to the East Ranches, the East Hill Ranches, all of the supplies that they had ordered. And it was in this way that through business, Grandpa was able to maintain the home and his family. Now, Jessie, by this time, had begun to read her Bible, and she had become a serious Christian. My family's history on both my mother and father's side was old-fashioned Methodism. And Rollo wanted nothing to do with the Methodist church. As the family grew, Orpha went off to Wyoming State University, unusual in that day, but she wanted to be a scientist, a bacteriologist. And so she went to Wyoming State University and received what she needed, and she became a lab tech, a bacteriologist. Most of my life, growing up in a country home in western Pennsylvania, my mother was the head of a local hospital's bacteriology department where they made the media, they prepared the samples, they worked closely with the with a doctor who was in charge of pathology. But let's get back to the story. Orpha met a handsome man, a cowboy. He'd gone to the sixth grade in education, so Orpha had her college, and Matt had six grades. He became a very serious Christian, That's a whole nother story. But Matt Greenlee was in his late 30s, and he saw this beautiful, tall redhead and fell in love with her. Dad was taller than mom. He was six foot three and a big man, big hands, tall in stature, all muscle used to the hard life of a cowboy. He now began to sell Christian books door to door. 
and was able by doing that to support his wife and the children who were coming. But Rollo had an angry heart. He wanted nothing to do with the Christian faith. But on one occasion, the Lord demonstrated for him exactly who he was. He had a full load of orders to pick up in Cheyenne. And he and Jesse, riding together in this old-fashioned truck, had no windows in it, just some canvas that they could lower if it got too cold and the wind was too bitter. Now understand, Wyoming is a cold area, cold country. I remember one night driving with my family off Cheyenne Mountain, and when we reached Laramie, where we lived at that time, it was just 50 degrees below zero with heavy snow. So Grandpa usually went well-equipped and well-prepared for this trip, but it was a, a warm day, a pleasant day. And he'd had to load a number of things on the truck that he needed to take into Cheyenne. So as they were driving up the Cheyenne Mountain, across the prairie, the brakes on the truck locked and they were stuck. They were smoking hot. Grandpa got out of the truck. He walked around to take his tools out of the, out of the back of the truck and suddenly realized that when he had loaded the truck to take things into Cheyenne, he had taken his tools out of the truck. Now, he could see a long distance, both directions, and obviously there was no one on the road, on the trails. It was not expected that very many people would travel this road during the Depression time. Gas was rationed. He tried to see if he could do anything with the brakes, and they were much too hot, and he saw that he could do nothing. He went back and he sat in the truck with Grandma. And he said, Jesse, we're in trouble. All we have is the evaporation water bag on the front. And we have no food with us. And it may be days before anybody uses this trail going into Cheyenne. And Grandma said to him, Rollo, don't worry. I'll pray. He laughed at her, and he said, Yes, you pray. God doesn't answer prayer. There is no God. He scorned her. And she began to pray, and he couldn't stand to listen, so he got out of the truck, and he walked back, and he stood looking at the terrible situation they were in with the, with the brakes locked. They were still very hot. He knew there was no chance of releasing those locked brakes without his tools. Suddenly, he heard a vehicle. The sound of a truck. And he turned and looked back toward Laramie. And here came a truck the dust trail, trailing behind. He said, wow, now that's luck. The truck pulled up. A man got out of the truck dressed in white coveralls. He went to the back of his truck and he pulled out his tools and he walked with the chest toward the truck where Rollo was standing he didn't say a word. Rollo began to tell him what had happened. The man ignored him. 
no courtesy, just got down on his back under that big truck and went to work on the brakes. Very quickly, the brakes were released. The man stood up, put his tools in his chest. Rollo, Grandpa, walked back toward the truck bed to ask Grandma to pull out the money so he could pay this man for his help. He took the money from Grandma's hand and turned back where the truck had sat with the man in white coveralls, and the truck was gone. He'd not heard the motor start. There was no dust trail out across that wide open space toward Laramie. The truck was simply gone. He looked. He was astonished. He got back in the in the truck with Grandma and handed her the money back and said, I don't know what happened. That man just disappeared. And Grandma said, Rollo, that was an angel in answer to my prayer. He didn't say a word. He started the truck and off they went. And he never spoke about it again. He had been confronted by the divine power of Almighty God, but he hardened his heart. He would not die out. It is hard to die out. The strong die out very hard. Grandpa was hard. He did not want to die out. He wanted his life the way he wanted it. I remember Grandma and Grandpa came to visit us in the east in Pennsylvania. Grandpa was walking with a cane. And Mother said, What happened, Dad? He said, I've just been diagnosed with MS. This strong, virile man's man who could build anything, who could take care of business. He had MS. The MS progressed as he slowly lost all strength in his legs. He became bedridden. I remember as a little boy standing at the bedside of my grandpa, saying, Grandpa, Jesus can heal you. And he laughed at me. He said, no, Raymond, there is no Jesus for me. I didn't understand. <laughs> Grandpa was in that bed for quite a number of years. Grandma, with great love and kindness, served him, bringing him his meals, preparing him. When his bowels finally stopped working as they should, and he had to wear a diaper, Grandma continued to take care of him, to feed him, to wash him with a humble heart. But he wanted nothing said about Jesus. He was a talker. He could tell wonderful stories of frontier life, which I listened to with great eagerness. But he would not acknowledge Jesus. Now, my father, Matt Greenley, he was also a, a big, strong frontier man spent the early years until he was almost 35 working a ranch as a farmhand. His father, 
and his family, the Greenlee family, had come from Iowa and homesteaded in Colorado and New Mexico border. And when dad was 19 years of age, his father died of typhoid fever. He almost died, but he survived. All the older brothers left the ranch. It was foreclosed on because the eldest, Ansel, had made very poor financial decisions. He'd gone in debt for cattle and then lost the cattle, and the ranch was foreclosed on. I've been to that ranch. It's still called the Greenlee Ranch, but it's now absorbed into a much larger property, a ranch. Dad took care of Mom, Grandma, Grandma Mary. My dad became a lay pastor, a strong Christian, one of the kindest men I've ever met and one of the most humble men I've ever known. But when Dad was dying the age of 85. He'd had several heart attacks. He'd had a pacemaker put in. He humbled his heart before God. And he went to the hospital. And as he lay in that bed dying, the nurse would come in and find my father on his face before God, weeping, this big six-foot man, weeping. And they would remonstrate with him and say, Matt, you must stay in bed. You cannot get out of bed. It's not safe for you to get out of bed. The man is dying. What's not safe? They'd come back a little later and they'd find him again on his face, weeping before God. My mother said, what did Matt have to repent of? He'd lived a holy life. Yes, he had. But I want to tell you, my dad reached that old age where he was dying, but he had not died out. There were still things in Dad's character that the Holy Spirit uncovered. And he hadn't died out to those things. My dad spent the last days of his life dying out. He was a strong man, and and the strong die out hard. He knew if he was going to go to heaven, he had to die out. Now, it's the hardest for pastors and teachers to die out because we're strong. We've been taught to be strong. The way God calls us to prepare for Christmas is to get on our faces and die out to the Holy Spirit and let him remove every unclean thing from our hearts Let me read something for you. It's found over here. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. I'll begin reading with verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I was always taught that that I had to be strong. That to be effective as a pastor, I had to be strong, competent. I had to take charge. 
I had to work hard and build to be successful. I had to have the respect of people. Paul said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I was not taught to boast about my weakness. I was taught to to hide my weakness. But if I hide my weakness from Jesus and from you, it means I've not died out to me. And I still think I ought to be somebody. Verse 10, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, I don't want to boast about my weaknesses, but I want to be very honest with you today. The great work that I'm currently engaged in, in addition to doing this broadcast day by day, in addition to caring for the pastoral work that I'm responsible for with a small fellowship, in addition to helping the poor and the needy, the great inner work that I'm engaged in is the work of dying out. And it's hard. It's hard. For I want people to respect me and to love me. And I was taught that if you want to be respected and you want to be loved, then you have to be strong. People don't like weak people. People disrespect weak people. And I've experienced that being cut off when some weakness appeared, some air in judgment, utterly cut off and rejected, enough that it would make me tremble to appear weak. But that's exactly what I'm choosing. I choose not to be strong. I want the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to come and meet us. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to totally bring me to that dying out of self, of the respectable self, of the strong self, of the adequate self. And I want to worship with men and women who are done with being strong, who now want the strength of God to flow in their lives. You cannot be strong and have the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. You cannot have your heart set on being respected and have the Holy Spirit. Most of my life, I've been very defensive for being right I can argue the theology. I can present the the picture. But after you've done that, all you have left is human strength. I want to see something totally different and new in my day that happened at Azuzu Street, that happened in other places in L.A. and the western United States, 1909610 a people who humbled themselves a people who gave up their strength and instead allowed Jesus to come and flow through them i've said to you and i mean it the national prayer chapel is it's not really a church it's a chapel The chapel in the old days was in the castle, and it was the cloak room. It's the place where the boots were cleaned. It's the place where the coats were hung. There were servants who worked in the cloak room that was called the chapel. The National Prayer Chapel is a cloak room. It's a place where together we're taking off our pride and our arrogance 
and we're getting right with Jesus because we're asking for Pentecost. We're asking for for the privilege of dying out to Jesus. Now, I have to tell you, I can't do it. I can't die out myself alone. But I've told Jesus I'm willing. I have cut all known sin in my life. And I've now said, Jesus, please come and pull me through and cause me to be utterly dead to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Let me be dead to success and acclaim. Let me be humble of heart before you, almighty God. My grandpa never died out, and he didn't go to heaven. My father, he served the Lord faithfully, sometimes in great suffering and persecution. And in the end, my father died out. My mother, Orpha, I don't think she ever died out. You know what? I don't know of anybody today in my circle who has died out. The strong die out hard, and we're all very strong, very proud, full of ourselves, talk a lot, full of our opinions, full of our our prides. We're going to do what we want to do. We're going to go where we want to go. We're going we're gonna to do our deal. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to die out. And I've asked Jesus to pull me through and to pour out Pentecost at the chapel. We're never going to organize and have a formal organization. We're not going, we're not a, a 501c. We're a group of people who've gathered for one reason, to die out, to get right with Jesus, to let the Holy Spirit come and create what he desires to create amongst us and in us. If that's attractive to you, if you are at a point in your life where you too want to die out, I invite you to come and join us in dying out. You'll be joining company of nobodies, a janitor, a nurse, an engineer, A retired. We're not great in the eyes of the world. We don't want to be. Our service begins at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning. We pray. We seek the face of God. We humble our hearts. We hear the word. We hear testimonies and witness. We eat together. You see, worship is not coming to get something from God. Worship is coming to give something to God. And what he wants is vessels emptied of self, who have died out, who are ready to be filled by the presence and power of his Holy Spirit. We need a revival. That's not some romantic notion. That's a humbling of our hearts before Almighty God and before each other. It's stopping all of the pretend, all the pretense, all the make-believe. It's saying, okay, I've come to the end of me. 
I now will boast in my weakness. And I'm waiting on Jesus. Has God been showing you his mercy and his love as he has me? Has he been carrying you as he has been me? And we need to get right with Jesus. We need to die out. I'm waiting on Jesus to finish this work. And while I wait, I fast. I pray. I read the word. I walk clean before him. And he's killing me. (laughs) He's taking out all of that pride and flesh. I've been a strong man all my life. I have prided myself on being velvet on the inside or on the outside, but iron on the inside. Don't try to change me. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. Oh, my, such pride. I don't want that iron inside me anymore. I want Jesus. But we're going to have to die out for Jesus to come in. Let's pray. Lord, we all have the beautiful poinsettias and the preparation for a Christmas worship service and the katatas and the concerts and the plays and all the entertainment of the modern church. Lord, we're a strong, strong people, especially the pastors. So pleasing on the outside, but so self-centered on the inside. I know I've lived that way. Lord, I'm praying today that you will bring your people to a place where they will join together with me that we could humble our hearts before you and ask you to finish this work of dying out in our hearts, that we could truly celebrate you as the baby born in a manger, not in a palace, not in a beautiful crib made of beautiful wood, but in a manger with the smell of manure close by and the sound of cattle lowing. Lord, having as guests humble shepherds, not the priests and the the rabbis and the Pharisees, but Lord, the pagans, the wise men, the humble, the nobodies. Lord, I want to worship with them at your feet. I want to be your servant and a servant to your people without arrogance and pride and trying to build something and accomplish something. Come, Holy Spirit of the living God, Baptize your people anew. Let us be crucified with you, Jesus, that we might die out. Lord, it's it's not easy. It's hard. We want the food we want. Our belly is our God. We want the entertainment we want. We want the movies and the videos. We want, we want, we want. Oh, Lord God, forgive us. Forgive us. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen. 
We've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. You're welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. If you'd like to participate, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give, then would you give that the radio broadcast cost can be covered? It is a work of the Holy Spirit as he moves in men and women's hearts to give. I have absolute trust and confidence that he will move in those he's chosen who participate with him. You can also write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. If you want to come on a Sunday morning, please be on time. We start promptly, literally at 10, but we start before that with prayer. If you get there at 10, you're going to walk into a prayer session already in progress. So please come and pray with us, die out with us. I think you'll find brothers and sisters who are earnest in their seeking after Jesus. So if you're earnest and you want to die out and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come and pay the price. The price is to die out. So you can go to our webpage and there you'll find the address for where you can find us. You could also call me personally. My cell phone number is 703 489 1785. I can help you with directions. Don't call if you want to argue with me. I'm not going to argue with you. But call if you're serious and you would like to come and die out with us. We celebrate, all of us, the birth of Jesus. But much more, we celebrate his crucifixion and his resurrection. God bless you, my brother and my sister. Give to the poor and to those the Holy Spirit calls you to give. Give to the work of God and bless you. I love you. It's a pleasure to meet some of you as you come to the worship. I'm eager to meet all of you. I'll talk to you soon.